Welcome to the Aikidojo podcast. I am David Ito, Chief Instructor of the Aikido Center of Los Angeles. And today I have a special guest, Gain Sogi Sensei, Seventh Dawn, Chief Instructor of Hawaii Betsuin Aikido Club. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank you for the invite. So you started Aikido uh, when you were 13. Yeah. Ha- um, what year was that? 1960. 1960. Yeah. Did you ever see O-sensei or? We, we all, because one thing I got to admit, I wasn't really all that great of a student when I first started, you know. It kind of evolved into being stubborn after a while, but it, I, I guess I grew into it. Because when I first started, what was presented to me, you want to learn a self-defense. And being 13, okay, you know, so it, in the beginning, I think that's what it was. And I because I keep wondering, how did I miss all that with such a big event? Mm. But I think because of that, and I wasn't that into it. Because if I was into it the way I am now, you know, I wouldn't be proud. But now I'm feeling stupid because I missed that. <laughs> you know, it's history. You know, but I try to make up for it by passing on as much as I can what I learned, what I've experienced, what I've developed into, and hopefully become better than what I am now. And you were a longtime student of uh, Sadao Yoshioka Sensei. Yeah. One of the great masters of Aikido from back in the day, right? That's what it seems there, yeah, because to us, he was just a teacher. He was actually a student of uh, Yukiso Yamamoto-sensei, who was uh, his judo instructor. Mm. And he converted to Aikido, and Yoshoka-sensei followed. Uh, Len Yoshida sent me a picture in 1929 showing a judo club in front of the Hongpa Hongkanji, and there's Yamamoto-sensei sitting in the front with this big club. And for understand, they started the Aikido club there. Uh, Yoshoka Sensei, if I recall right, was brown belt. And, but he converted. And Yamamoto Sensei eventually became the first chief instructor of Hawaii for Aikido. Why, why did uh, Yamamoto Sensei convert to Aikido? Um, well, he also, because uh, there was... Uh, Takanji Ishida, who was a judo instructor, also a ju- very well-known judo instructor in Hawaii. In fact, the story that I was told was during the war where all Japanese activities were curtailed, Ishida Sensei was allowed to continue teaching judo in Wailua. The, uh, what I understand, the laws, the laws of the, uh, uh, Plantation, the sugar plantation, went to see the the governor on behalf of uh, Ishida Sensei to vote for his integrity and his skills, and they got him to. He was the only one allowed to continue teaching judo. And Ishida Sensei was one of the members of the Nishishiki group, which petitioned the founder 
to send Aikido to Hawaii. Really? Wow, that's... And then so, but did you ever ask, or did you ever find out why Yamamoto Sensei crossed over? Well, I think because Ishida had a... Ishida Sensei had a... What I could understand, he had great... Uh, great reputation as a judo teacher, but he converted because of the Nishishiki uh, health system. And Aikido fit that. And I guess they, they all talked and they watched and they showed each other and they graduated because there was a, the first generation Aikido people in Hawaii. There were a lot of judo. Yeah, yeah. Except for one kendo instructor. Who's that? Uh, what is his name? Uh, Takahashi. Oh, Isao Takahashi? Yeah. Francis Takahashi, yeah. father, yeah. He was the only one, but that was all first generation. They were all small, but they were deadly, and uh, there were a lot of movements that were shown to us back then, and they kept saying, draw your foot, draw your foot. If you don't draw your foot, that judo guy will leg sweep your foot. And these guys all being all-time judo. I had my leg sweat because I forgot to draw. My foot literally came up this high. My teacher just came in. Where's my foot? And when your feet are this high, you're off balance. I got yanked right down to the ground. Boom! Draw your foot. Yes, and never again. Then I forget to draw my foot. But that's interesting that they would all convert based on the Nishi health system. But they were looking... Uh, I guess, because judo was competitive. Yeah. But then Aikido offered something beyond that competitiveness for self-improvement and everything. Because through my years, I've seen a lot of karate black belt people start taking Aikido, and you find out they're high-ranking, you wonder why. And pretty much the story was what they, because everything at that time started to convert to uh competition. Mm. So, but then as you age, you age yourself out of that competition level. So what do you become after that? You become a helper, right? To help train other people for competition. Because competition brings trophies. Trophies bring people, wow, this is a good place to learn. So it kind of levels up to a point where that's all they teach, where Aikido offers the mental aspect. And yet when you read about martial arts, they all have that mental aspect. Mm -hmm. For some reason, instructors are catering to making money so they have people come in because of the, so it's all competition. And gradually, as you put, you get lost. That, that part gets lost. But Aikido was always offering it from day one. Uh, because I talked to one guy that I actually became friends with. And I said, you're fifth time in karate, why? He goes, I got tired of getting hit. I said, why? He said, one teacher would pair you off with a student. And you practice and you, you have control, you don't hit. The student's practicing with you, but they don't have control. And they hit and you can't do anything. You just gotta no 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 correct them. But it kept it keeps getting it keeps happening and he says I got tired of getting hit. And 
for example, it sounds like there's the way he made it sound, he got stalemated. So he was looking for more. Interesting. And that's why he converted. Because if you think about it, that's kind of the place where Aikido is today. Because there's no competition, people aren't coming to Aikido. Yeah, that, that's you know, because of MMA. Yeah. Because everybody wants to get ready for that. But the thing is, and the sad part is they call the MMA mixed martial art. But there's no... What do you do after you're in your late 30s, early 40s, early 50s? Right. You're going to teach. But what if you're one of the majority people who aren't that good? You can't continue. Where in Aikido, for your whole life, you can, even though you're not considered by your peers great or good, as long as you have the willing to learn to better yourself, you can keep going. Mm. Then you start looking up and you start how can these old guys do what they do? They can't move like me, but I wish I could do that. So you strive to achieve what they have. And you start, then the closer you start going up, up, uh, it's like we, we, we always talk and we find out all of a sudden, where are all the old guys? But darn it, we're the old guys, <laughs> you know. But the thing about it is, are we capable? Did we improve ourselves to a point that we show we're able to demonstrate to our student what our teachers showed to us? Because my teacher always said, one day you will surpass. And we looked at him and we laughed. You gotta be joking to there's no way. You know. And he showed us stuff and we scratch our head, kinda of wondering how to do that kind of stuff and all. Because they don't tell you how to do it. You gotta evolve to become like that. And unless you travel the road, you'll never get there. But you start doing it. And for myself, I, I always try to show my student, or at least what my teacher used to show us. And all of a sudden, like, good grief. I'm a teacher. I'm doing what he showed, and I'm getting the look that I gave to my teacher. When did this happen? But then you think about it, that means you took to heart what you were given. You worked at it. You became your teacher. But now... He's expecting you to surpass them. And what do you do when you, you don't look at yourself saying you surpass. People will notice what you're doing. You don't brag about it. You just concentrate on training. And then the students will look at you and thinking, wow. And that's what, and that's where you want to be able to do. For them to strive to do what your teacher made you do. And that's how Aikido grows. Because the better you become, the better, the more you have to offer to your student. And hopefully these people will turn around, train as hard as you did, improve on what you did, and pass that on. And that's where Aikido grows. So there's no limit. Mm -hmm. But and you just keep pushing. Because when I first started Aikido, Yuki Yamamoto Sensei used to come around, put us down, 
And he used to do this with his finger on our back. And it felt like somebody took a nail this big and drove it right through your body into the ground. Like this. And he's telling you, get up. You can't move. So we started calling this a coffin nail. <laughs> you know, because you're pinned. And how, in somebody watching, how can you do that? All he's doing is touching your back leg. So, but we, we try, we keep trying. I'm doing it. Then all of a sudden, years later, you start hearing this. What did you do, Sensei? What do you mean? I can't get up. And then other students, well, what would it feel like? It sounds like, you know, it's like he just drove something right through my body. And I'm like, oh, I guess I am getting better, you know? Okay, take a temporary pause, pat yourself on the back, get back into the grind. Improve on that, show that, because now they want to learn. And your job is to not only show them, smoothen the road for them so they don't think as long as you did. <laughs> you know, so, because my students, like, you, you do something and they're like, Oh, you make it look so easy. Of course. That's my job. If I made it look hard, would you try? No. But if I make it look easy, you're going to try, right? And you're going to realize it's not something that you just, at a stab of a finger, pick it up. Or one, two classes, I can do this. You realize it takes years and years of training to develop because it's not only a physical thing. It's a mental thing. I was always brought up. Physical is 10% in Aikido. Mental is 90%. And we used to see, even at Hongbu Dojo, 80-something-year-old people holding people down with a, by pinching the gi and holding them on the ground, talking to people like this. And the young guy's jumping, trying to get up, getting up, and he's just talking like, what's your problem? You know, just talking like, no. I don't want to be able to do that. I watch videos, I hear people comment how, how the Kaisho did Kamiwaza. That's the next level. Kamiwaza. Kamiwaza. You know, make it look like, what did he do? The Kaisho just lied. So if he showed the way, there is a slim possibility. If I keep trying, maybe, I might be able to, but other than that, what a hell of a ride you'll <laughs> be, you know. Spending your time, just your whole life is made to do something positive, and at the same time it helped you. Because, like, in my case, I was known for uh, being, having a very bad temper, and yet, I have friends that know me over 20-something years. And uh, when my family mentions about my tem temper, they look, at, they look at them because you're joking. This guy is the most even-keeled person we know. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, it doesn't seem like to me like you have a bad temper. Uh, well, if people ask my, ask my wife, or my wife and I will be making 48 years marriage, and we've been together 
I'd say over 52 years. Because I had to wait for her to graduate college. <laughs> but, and she was from then involved in my Aikido. I mean, not involved, but she witnessed and that. And her friends were like, how can you let your husband go out three, four times a week for so many hours for so long? You know, don't you need him at home? And she looks at them and she goes, if you knew what it did for him, you would understand. And they're, they're, they're scratching their head because to them, Aikido, martial art, self-defense, beat up people, period. That's the layman's vision of martial art. And they're like scratching their head, oh no, it's way beyond that. And she doesn't understand. People don't understand that. And the only way you're going to experiment, you can't sit in the dojo and just watch. Because I have people come watch. Oh, this is easy. I can do this. Right? Then you, you're probably exposed. Right. Then they get on the mat and they go, oh, it's not as easy as it seems. Well, to make it look easy, it takes effort and make commitment, you know? And it's not a one, two year commitment. I've I've had friends in Aikido that I took Aikido for one. I, I'm gonna take Aikido for one year, see how it goes. And I've seen them pass away still doing Aikido. So that's the kind of commitment they ended up. But that's what happened when they learned what Aikido was. What, what was uh, um, Yoshioka Sensei like? He was pretty much almost like a samurai. Yeah. Yeah. The, he was, but he always taught us family, work, Aikido. Aikido is number three. Not number two, not number one. You take care of your family first. You need to work to stick, support your family. Then you do Aikido. And he always did, but he, uh, I heard stories of him being a, he was a mailman. I had stories of him taking off because when the Kishimaru Ueshiba came, he would take off from work and he would volunteer to be the chauffeur. So they, two of them actually became good friends. They were, they made, but they became good friends. He went to Hilo, he went. That kind of commitment he had, so he trained, trained hard. Uh, he he got with Toei Sensei. He was he got to visit Hombu Dojo, stay there, train for a while. He even had chance to sit with the Kaisho in the home, in his home, having tea. And the funny story he always tells us was when he sat across the founder. He was so nervous, and he said, the founder looked at him and said, why are you trying to block me? And he said, he didn't realize he was doing that, but it was like a defense. He kind of like, you know, apologized, he said, but he said, that was his first react, uh, interaction with the founder, realizing how strong he was. But your Shoka-sensei is from Hawaii? Yep. 
Does Eli, it? Uh, me say generation. Really? Because it's so interesting that he has talked in the same breath or context of the Osensei students from Japan. I thought he was from Japan. No, he's uh, Hawaiian-born, second generation, uh, second son of uh, family. Just that he can he was the martial arts because he was taking judo and got into that. But that's how committed he got into Aikido. And because when I first started, I started under Yamamoto Sensei, who was Yoshoka Sensei's teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, then eventually, during my bad year, I kind of come and went, come and went. But then when I finally decided to, I wanted to get into this more, I started with Yoshoka Sensei. And that's why I met like Glenn Yoshida, Nagahisa Sensei, Shimokawa Sensei, all this. And we became friends and we were like early in class. We did all these extra things before class. See who could throw somebody's sanky or the farthest, you know. How many people could you tumble over? We'd take a belt, like how the girls play first grade, second grade. We used to do that with the belt, doing forward roll over the belt. This is all before class. Mm. You know, but it was it, it fun, you think about it, but it good memory. And it did create a good camaraderie, which I think by our teacher nurtured that with us. So which was really good. What what was he like as a person? Uh I got to know him as a person outside of Aikido. On the mat he was strict. He was really strict. Uh, but he was very passionate. Uh, you could tell when he when he taught that he believed in what he was teaching, and he didn't teach you something that he didn't believe in. Because uh, as as I was training under him, I don't know what he noticed, but he, you know, he did. As getting on rank, he was telling, telling us and talking. He said, when you teach, he said, you don't just do this. You, you, you don't just show anything. He said, when you teach, you teach from here. If you don't realize that students don't know, they know all. Teach from here. Always teach from here. And I watched him, and I watched how much he enjoyed teaching, he didn't get rich over it. He watched how people progressed and everything, and he took a lot of pride in watching his students get better and better. And when I saw that, I realized, I want to teach. So all I knew was, in order to be a teacher, I needed to be a black belt. So that's all I pushed for, was to become a black belt so I could do what my teacher loved to do because I saw how much he enjoyed. After that, I didn't care. As long as I was a black belt teaching, I'd fight. Mm. Promotions just came. It wasn't because I wanted to be up there. I kind of learned to accept it because, and what I did was I told myself, 
the higher rank you are, the more you can help your student by promoting them. They give you that much more. Other than that, I didn't care. Never sought six, never sought seven. Just one, and I was just enjoying myself teaching. And it's watching, helping people. We, our club, is part of the after-school care program for the Hongganji Mission School, which is a private school with a Buddhist uh, uh, background. Mm-hmm. And we become, because we teach etiquette and we teach a lot of discipline, and Michael, so I've gone to a lot of students. I've run into them going to Queen's Hospital, running into a technician, they look to the name, and, go, and they look at you and they go, hi, Sensei. You don't recognize them. I've had people come back or walk by and they see you, and my wife is like, who was that? I don't know. How come you don't know? I said, well, it's easy for them to remember. Hi, Sensei, right? Yeah, <laughs> but you got to remember Dane. You can't remember Dane. But, you know, they, they all thought that your shoka sensei was streaky, thought of stuff. There was, uh, and he was always protective of other students, the, the weaker ones, uh, especially the women. I, I did once, I was told to watch because I guess he noticed I was getting better and I wasn't controlling. And it was an accident where I went to throw a girl, we we're lining up and throw it, and I went to Kokunage, and my fingers got wrapped in her knee. So when I went to throw it, she went to fall. I couldn't get my fingers out, so I went like this. And it popped her. And she landed straight down. He yelled from across the room. And I'm like, oh, but something, you know, and being, being at that time a still Q-Rack, being a dumb Q-Rack, after class, I went up to him and I said, walked up to him, went down on the ground, I said, bow, and I said, Sinti, please, I want to explain what happened. You know, it was an accident. Hey, all he did was he looked at me, totally poke of faith, and he says, attack. So I went, and he just took me, turned around, slammed me straight down to the ground. Boom, stood over me. Now you understand? And he walked away. And at that time, I was one of the lucky few that, after class, we used to go to the bar, drink, talk story. And I was not one of his black belt assistants. I was just... But they accepted me. I mean, I was like going to drink with all my father and his friends. Mm-hmm. So anyway, after that, I went, oh, man, he is so ticked off. With I better not go tonight. So I went to see Kubo Sensei, who was one of the people that always went. And I told him, I'm not going tonight. Because why? They said, well, I told you so what happened because everybody in the class knew that they were all folding Hakamas or Tuning. After class, they saw that happen right in front of everybody. To me, it was like I was the example everybody else learned, but I thought about this afterward. So I told them, 
I can't go. I said, since it's mad me. And he goes, no, you're going. I'm not letting you go home. They said, no, no, I'm going to go. I said, no. I'm going to make sure you go if I have to drive you down to myself. Okay, okay. So we went. And I'm thinking, okay, now where where can I sit to hide from Sensei? We go to the beach. Who do I end up sitting directly across from? There's my teacher. I'm thinking, be invisible, be invisible. Keep your mouth shut, you know, kind of thing. The whole night, talk to me. Looks like nothing happened. And with everybody, we just talked and everything. I was so relieved, but I still was on guard. Ten years later, where another uh, after after class eating, and some of the students were talking about scoldings that they got from him. So I told him about, reminded him about this one. He looks at me, he goes, you still remember that? I'm like, I'm down, you're down already? You know, that time I was like, down, down. So you still remember that? I said, oh, yeah. He goes, he looks at me, goes, lesson well learned. <laughs> but he made a joke of it, you know. So I had a lot of respect for him for that. You know, he was strict. And I always keep it in my mind that what he showed me, I needed to practice what he showed. I need to do my best and carry on his legacy. That's the only thing I can do. But being thrown by him, what did it feel like? It, it was hard. I mean, down, but it wasn't... Uh, it was just literally just straight down. It was like acceleration. Because I saw him once in class. He had somebody in Moto Tetori hitting me knocking. He went like this. Okay, cool. And he stopped to talk to the class. Talking to the class. And my friend and I were sitting there watching him. And we looked at the guy. All of a sudden, breached. And since he went, then he turned back to throw, and he went. And all of a sudden, we looked at his face, and everything just went black. And two of us are going, oh, no. That had no hesitation. One. Yeah. Don't resist me. It's like nothing. Was it strength? You make me make you start realizing it's my it is the key word of Aikido. Because uh Yoshioka Sensei is famous for his subo, right? His uh his uh shiatsu. Yeah, he told her. I do that to my students. Do you? Yeah. I I I, I was told that you wanna become better at it, you keep doing that. So I used it on my son when he was playing baseball. I had a friend that came running in. It's like this bleed nose, you know. And the parents are running around. One guy, get it, get get ice, get ice. Sit down, sit down, put your hand down. That one, no, 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 put your hand back, put your hand back. My wife looks at me, she goes. So I went up there and I just went, and I walked away. 
And then he's over there and the guy's like this, and you're trying to get him to put his hand back, put his head forward. They come with the ice pack, and he goes, he's pushing them away. He goes, why don't I, no, 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 I'm fine. He stood up, and oh, stop bleeding, and he runs. Where did you, where did you hit him? I tapped the back here, the neck, with the blade, and you hold the head, and you just, like that. Did he tell you that? Yeah. He told us how to press, how to take away uh, uh, stuff sinuses, how to take away headache. So I've done that to several of my students, like the kids, like that. Oh, my my son can't practice because he has a uh, he has a headache. So I go, oh, come, stop pressing. Then ten minutes later, I said, how are you feeling? He goes, oh, God, I said, okay, take it easy. Next thing I know, I go on the mat to teach the class. Ten minutes later, he walks on the mat. I said, you can rest because no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Any practice. Then uh, two of my regular students now, after they're, I've been told that they're not my student. They're my disciple. <laughs> I mean, they, they take it that seriously. They come that often. Who are they? Uh, one is girl, Karen, and this other one, we call, his nickname is Chaz. Uh, she got thrown by one of the students, and she was literally on the ground holding her shoulder, and I looked at her face, she was almost in tears. So she's like, didn't want to, they really didn't know what to do. I just went out to her. <clears throat> I just grabbed her shoulder, I just held her, hold her, I said, she's relax, relax, I just held her like that. And I got her kind of sitting up, and I just pressed, and what is it? It's just an extension of your mind. So I kept working on her like that, for about 10, 15 minutes and after she got up and she goes, oh, thank you, Sensei. So I said, sit down, go rest. You know, don't, don't practice. But she's over there trying to figure out what the heck happened. You know, then the next, uh, next time she came to class, said, still a little bit. So I pressed her again. And I think I did a third time. But within a week later, she was back on the mat practice. She was practicing, actually, on the second day, she was actually on the mat practice. And one week later, the guy that threw her, he goes, how are you? He goes, well, I'm white. Don't tell me fix me up. I'm good. And he goes, oh, really? And he says, what did you do? I said, oh, I just pressed her. He goes, oh. And if you talk to her, she'll swear white. Because the other time I watched her, she's like, going up the stairs holding the railing. And he's like, what's the matter? She goes, oh, my ship, something. So I said, I'm down the mat down. And I said, so I looked for the spot. And I said, here. I said, yeah. So I did it for about 10 minutes or so, 10, 15 minutes like that. And going, and she goes, get up. And she stands, and she walks to the step with our dojo is sunken, right? She grabs the wheel and she turns around. What are you doing? Can't believe it. I was barely walking up. And she's going back and forth, up and down the step. Like, I'm fine. Oh. Okay, then the following class, I said, just to be insurance, I did it again. But after that, she's like, oh, okay, so whenever 
if she has any kind of pain or something she has. I'll just send you a meat shield. Oh, yeah. Charles had this something in his chip. He sat down, says, oh, but you know how we stretch and we go back. He couldn't even lean back. So I thought, well, let me try. You know, see if I can help you. So I had him lay on his side. I just kind of felt around. And I said, oh, I can kind of send something here. How's that? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. I said, okay, hold there. And I just kept doing it for about, about 15 minutes. Then I moved him and I did some more, did some more. And after that, showed up the following class time. How are you? I'm fine. I don't know what you did, but I'm good. And he practiced it's like nothing happened. That was that something Yoshioka says they taught you like a codified method? No, he taught he taught it. He actually showed it in class. He tells us how to uh showed us how to crack bad, how to uh how to get away get rid of stiff neck, you know, kinda of stuff, how to revitalize your if your legs are feeling tired, how to grab and revitalize your legs, all that kind of stuff. And just, so we could actually do that. I was, one day I was talking with uh, Moriyama Sensei, who's a Hachidang in Hawaii. I was mentioning, I said, oh, I was thinking maybe at a seminar I should teach this. He goes, no, you don't teach that kind of stuff at the seminar. I said, oh, okay. Because he's my senpai, I'm going to listen. He said, you want to teach your student? That's fine. Teach your student. And they're more than we willing to learn. They want to learn, so I said, but I, I don't make it as the main thing. He said, because Yoshoka Sensei always told us, you're not learning to develop key to destroy. Which everybody thinks that's what it's for because right. you're trying to throw hard, you're trying to throw Kotegaishi hard, some could you can break the wrist, Nikyo. So that's it. that's what I'm learning for. No. You're that just different ways of developing to use your energy that's existing in the in the world. And I tell my students, you're not a reservoir, you're a conductor. So the only time it flows through you, you gotta relax and let it flow. And the, the more you relax, the stronger the flow. So you use that to help people. And that's what your Shoka says, you, can, you use that to help people. Because he was, he was well known for it. It's interesting because, you know, uh, a lot of people don't see, I, I guess maybe on the main because he's done it. But in Hawaii, I think one time I, Fix Glenn Yoshida. I think I pressed him for something. I did to Shimokawa Sensei. And they're like, You can do that? Oh, now I know where to go. And I went, Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not something that I do it because they're friends. And if whatever limited capacity that I have, I can help you recover better, recover faster, I'll do it. You know, with and but we were always told you're not going to make a you can't make a living off of that constantly extending like that. You can't drain yourself. 
you'll kill yourself. But if you do it one, two people, you help people. Just be satisfied with that. That's a big accomplishment because then you're making use of what you train to develop. Mm. So I okay to me. So my my family, my daughter like that, you know, I said, Oh dad, can you press me? I have a stiff neck or stiff shoulder. I'll do it for her, it's fine. You know. Then once in a while I'll flip so I'll, I'll crack her back for her and like that kind of stuff. But it's 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 interesting. Because sometimes you're like, oh, I wish that somebody would do that to me. <laughs> Who's around, you know? Right. Yeah. So you learn more than just Aikido from Yoshioka Sensei. Well, I the thing about it, a lot, lot of people don't realize that his granddaughter and my daughter went to the same preschool kindergarten together. So my wife and I, being in our first child, we go to the events, right? I walk in over there. And who do I see? I see me. Sensei and Mrs. Yoshioka. So we gravitate together. My wife goes with Mrs. Yoshioka. I go with your sensei. And we keep each other company while we're watching the kid. So I know him as a person. So now that you've been doing Aikido since you were 13, and how old are you now? I'll be 76. This year. Wow, that is quite a long time. And the thing I'm, I'm really happy about it is like, I go on the mat, I can bend over, you know, like how people try to touch them. I can put my palm on the floor. Wow. I still do that without bending my knee. Then I'll still bend my knees a little bit. Yeah, sitting stays out, not as good as I was before, but. I, my, my reaction seems to be a little better because I've learned to not rely on my eye, but more on what I've tried to develop uh, to advance myself, to become better. Uh, so I'm, I'm, when I teach, I'm, it's not me just going through the motion. I'm constantly challenging myself. I want my students to see that, that even though I'm your teacher, I'm still challenging myself to become better. So you need to always push yourself to become better. What's what's one way you've challenged yourself lately to become better? Well, I still can backward roll, and uh, my students doesn't understand how I can backward roll and when I come out of the back, we will take a step forward. Because I don't recall my teachers, even though they were not at my age now, but they were younger, they didn't take falls like that. They didn't take backward rolls like that. Yeah. So I still can do backward rolls. And I know my days are numbered on that, you know, eventually. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy the ride, mm. you know, to be able to do it. Because I'm uh, having fun, and I want to emulate what I had aspired to be when I was young, looking at the old guy, which was how the hell did they do that? You know, kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm hoping that I can achieve that. You know, if I don't, I don't. Nothing lasts, but. 
if I can achieve it, then I'll just set you goal. I always, I'm, I, I tell people I am not good. What you're looking at is one of the most stubborn, stubbornest cuss you're ever going to see on the mat that, you know, hasn't stopped to trying to get better. Because if I cannot demonstrate being good on the mat, I can at least show you what kind of gumption you have to have. Keep going. Mm. So, that's what they do. Well, I think that's a good place to stop. I thank you very much for allowing me to interview you. It was very thank you. enlightening. Well, thank you. I wasn't, I was where I've never been interviewed. And when you said podcast, I'm like, breaking my nails kind of thing. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, and please don't forget to subscribe or uh, enjoy this podcast. Thank you.